All right, what practical advice would you give to students to control their nafs, i.e. not overeating? I'm still trying, personally, I'm still trying to find the most effective way to do that myself. So I don't know how helpful I can be in that one. But I think the thing that we can do is um, stop grazing. What that means is the biggest problem for eating is that if you just eat at lunchtime and supper time and breakfast and eat healthily at that time, then you don't have to then snack in between and keep grazing. Grazing is the worst you can do. I was in a cheese factory recently uh, to see how they make cheese and something. And subhanAllah, what they had was, they had a, the measurement of how much a human eats in a day and how much a cow chews in a day. And it was quite uh, a big difference. Like maybe 50 times as much. It's quite a difference. But humans are now grazing because we have things available. In the olden days, you had, you know, the food. There, there were no snacks. There were no processed foods. There was no packet, you know, crisps and chocolates and snack bars and all of this. This is all in the last 70, 80 years that this has come about. Before you had to go into a cold kitchen and try to like rustle up something, you know, or chana. That's where you ate. That's why when you go to India, now things are different. But I remember when I first was studying there, in the trains, the things that would be on offer would be tea and chana, which is chickpeas, right, roasted. In, and they, they, I mean, not badams, not kaju, not pista, because those things are considered more expensive. But nowadays it's so easy. So I would avoid, if you've got a problem, I would avoid buying, buying snacks. Just try to keep it uh, to healthy foods. Uh, avoid snacks uh, and just avoid having them around because having them around it's just like you want to go and have some or you keep opening the fridge somebody goes and keeps opening the fridge and looking for something right so that's what you call grazing we need to stop being like cows like that I, an issue that I find with myself and many other sisters is that we did bay'ah with a sheikh at a younger age at madrasa however he's an inaccessible what should a person do in this case? There is also a language barrier. In that case, if you've noticed that after many, many years, you just haven't had any benefit or you don't expect to have any benefits, then try to find somebody connected to the same sheikh who does have, you know, who you can have access to and who uh, does speak the same language. Uh, he, he's like, and then again, online, there's a lot of possibility today as well. Um, because sometimes you've got somebody locally, but you may just not... You know, you may not be on the same wavelength. You just might want somebody else. You just may have affinity. That's what Mona Tanwi says, that you have to have affinity with the person, which means congeniality. There has to be some level of that. Otherwise, if you force yourself into a situation which is not appropriate, then it gets, uh, it gets really complicated. You're not really benefiting. You're forcing yourself, and that's not what you want. So... Generally, what people, you know, they, they go to people who are maybe on the same intellectual level or maybe same cultural level, same language. These are various different ways that these, this, you should make some istikhara as well if you can. But don't delay. If you think you need help, don't delay in doing it. I said, tasawuf is not necessary. It's not obligatory. Like, it's not a fard. But it is extremely useful and it's extremely beneficial. And especially if you've been trying for a long time and you haven't got anywhere with it, then... Uh, like I, I was in uh, one place um, and this person comes up to me after the bayan. Uh, he's from another country 
And he goes, I need to speak to you. I need to speak to you. I said, okay, fine. And he had so much urgency. And I was really tired. I'd done two, uh, I think I'd just been, this is the third lecture I'd done in two days. And uh, we were going to eat. And he goes, I need to. So I said, okay, fine. This guy seems urgent. So I took, he goes, I want to do bait right now. I said, why? What happened? He says, I've, been, I've just been trying to get by without it. Essentially, I've been trying to um, succeed without it. And I always fail. I've got problems. I've got problems. I've got issues. Uh, finally, you know, he, mashallah, sends me an email saying that, Alhamdulillah, I finally extracted myself from Facebook. And now, because that was one of his big fitness, one of his big problems. So, uh, yeah, which sheikhs are currently easy? I've, I've answered that. Which are currently easy, acceptable to speak English for girls who seek to do beta? Please clarify what beta entails. What beta entails, it depends. Different shayukh will tell you to do different things, right? What we generally say is you do six things. It's very easy. You do a hundred istighfar in the morning and, and in the evening. And a special one, astaghfirullah rabbi min kulli dhanbi wa atubu ilayh. The sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa to do that. So you do six istighfar a day. Number two, uh, sorry, you do a hundred istighfar in the morning. It takes a few minutes, but you try to do it some concentration. Number two, you do um, salawat on the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim. Which, which, which means, uh, which is a special durud sharif, uh, salawat on the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You do that hundred times in the morning, hundred times in the evening. Number three, you read some Quran. The days that you can read Quran for the women, the days that you can, you read some Quran for sure. Now in this, what I would say is that you read at least whatever is easy for you to read every day. I don't want you reading one supara a day, one juz a day, and then the next day you can't do that. Or you don't have the time. Read what is practically possible and then build up on that. Because that which is regular, a bit, but regular is better than that which you do. And then you don't have any istiqama. We want a, we want a life of istiqama. And we want to build on that life of istiqama. So there's no point doing lots today or tomorrow because somebody has, that somebody has, you know, it's inspired you and then after two, three days you mess up again. That's not the point. The point is that you do a bit. So, for example, uh, a friend that I know, somebody came to him, the sister, and he's telling her, you must do this much Quran. He says, I can't do, I can't read Quran. I can't read any Quran at all. I got no time whatsoever. I'm so busy. Finally, after a lot of persistence, she said, okay, I'll read one ayat a day. He says, fine, read one ayat a day. One ayat a day, fine. The whole act of taking a Quran down, opening it and reading one ayat, that's a big thing. It is a big thing. It's a big accomplishment for many of us because many of us don't even touch the Quran. Right? So what I would suggest is you read Quran at least one page, two pages, quarter subara, whatever it is, but regularly. And you open the Quran and you read that. So that's the third thing. Number four, is what we mentioned before of wukuf qalbi. Wukuf qalbi, which means to just constantly attentive to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just constantly. Allah, you know, with everything. You just, it's like you're cooking, but if you have to look after a small child at the same time, your one ear is going to be on that, isn't it? So you're cooking, you have to focus, otherwise you'll burn the food and put too much salt in it or less masala or whatever. But at the same time, you're multitasking in the sense you're listening out. Can I still hear him? Is he still there? You know, little nephew, whoever you're looking after. So it's like attention to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, that has to be learned. You're not going to get that straight away. But that's our life. That's the whole purpose of this is to... You, a lot of Muris, they, they, they say, you know, oh, uh, we can't do that. I know you can't do that. 
It's not easy. It's something that has to be learned. Try it for an hour. And then you'll see eventually. Number five, this is the most powerful of all of them. It is the one that enriches the rest. Because you can do all of the others and get reward for it, but not get closeness to Allah. This fifth one is the muraqaba. Now the good thing about the muraqaba is that you don't have to be, you could be anywhere and do it. Because it's all inside. You don't need to be in a room and you don't have to, like say, you could be in a waiting room, you could be on a bus, you could be wherever. And you just, uh, we, we'll, if we got time, we'll do some muraqaba there and just to get, give you an idea of what it is. Essentially, the idea is that you sit down, lower your, lower, your, lower your head, close your eyes, and just totally empty your mind from everything of the dunya. Just lower, empty your mind of everything of the dunya. And just imagine that the mercy of Allah is descending on your heart. So that's on the left-hand side under your chest. The, the mercy of Allah is descending on your heart. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I am with my servant as he thinks of me. Mercy is around everywhere. We're just... We're just, we're just tapping into it. Wi-Fi, we just need a password. Here, you don't need password, you just need to focus. And you get access. And there's never bandwidth problems. Right? There's never too many people on, you know, take, you know, using it. It's just, there's a lot of it available. And the more you want to take, the more you take. So you just sit there and you just imagine that the mercy of Allah is descending on your heart. And then your heart begins to say, and it's taking away the dirt and the evil and the wrong and the sins and so on. And then your heart begins to say, Allah, Allah, Allah. And that's what you're looking to do. And you just sit there five minutes just doing Allah, Allah, Allah. Now eventually shaitan's going to come and distract you and that you don't give up. Remember, the concentration has to be learnt. Sincerity has to be learnt. You just keep doing it and keep coming back to it and trying to concentrate and doing better the next time. That's the fifth thing. So you've got uh, istighfar, salawat, duru sharif. Number three, Quran. Number four, wukuf qalbi, just general concentration on Allah. Number five is the muraqaba meditation. And number six is the uh, keeping constant relation, uh, constant communication with your shaykh, called rabita to shaykh, which means that you keep appraising them on what's going on. So every two, three weeks, you send them an email, or if you're on uh, telephone or whatever way that you're communicating, you, you generally tell them that, uh, you know, this is what, and if you haven't done anything, like two weeks I did it, one week I couldn't do it, I just couldn't do it this week, no problem. Say what it is. But the whole purpose of it is that when you hear something from a shaykh, no, you must do it, you must do it, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. Now generally, the, the fifth, everything else will remain the same. But the fifth one, there'll be progress in that. They'll move on to different stuff. So you'll focus on different lata, if they call it. You'll focus on different parts of the body. Uh, 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 they call lata. If you, uh, basically, these are, this is the uh, 35 sabak system that you move on to, which has been developed with uh, Mujadid al-Fathani, rahmatullahi Sheikh Ahmed Sir Hindi. Anyway, so that's, that's some idea of what some bay'a entails. And generally, avoiding harams, Trying to fulfill as many obligations. And obviously it starts with a tawbah. The bay'ah is just a tawbah. That's it. Right? The bay'ah is just a tawbah. It's just... And then you might say, well, we do tawbah all the time. Then what's the point of bay'ah with a shaykh? And I'll tell you what that is. You know, like in hadith, you have a transmission. Somebody mentioning a hadith just like that. Another person mentioning it who has a transmission up to the Prophet ﷺ who has a chain and isnad. I and you and I can make tawbah just like that. But if we make tawbah at the hands of a shaykh, he has done it with his shaykh, he's done it with his shaykh, 
until Ali or Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi you will get the barakah of that silsila, of that chain that goes back to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi so they will be more powerful because you're following a sunnah. The Prophet sallallahu took the bay'ah on tawbah and that's essentially what this tawbah is. That's essentially what a bay'ah is. I won't do this, I won't do this, I won't do this, I make tawbah, you know, so on and so forth. So you will get the barakah of that tawbah and that tawbah inshallah will be more benefiting of what, uh, uh, for you and as opposed to just personal dua that you do. That's it. That's, that's what you do that for. Um, and then of course they expect you to sit in majalis but if you can't have access to the majalis then you can listen to if they do recordings uh, then you listen to their recordings uh, of those majalis and uh, essentially any other deeny things comes some sheikhs, they like, you to, they like you to tell them about everything that happens in your life. And some are a bit more casual. That, you know, they don't want to know everything that you do. Just tell us anything that's going to relate to your spirituality. Do you understand? Anything that's going to relate to your, a decision about spirituality, that's what you want to know about. So different sheikhs act in different ways. And some, some have more time, some have less time. Uh, and, and so on and so forth. Um, what is the difference between... Purification of the heart and the soul, it's the same thing, it's just interchangeable words that are used. Uh, the, the same thing, the soul and the heart. You really what we are purifying is the soul, but we're purifying the heart as well. The soul and the heart are two different entities that work in tandem. The soul is what gives us life. And the spiritual heart, this is, uh, we'll, we'll have to spend a lot of time. So I won't go into that. But essentially the soul, the heart is always there. But it becomes corrupt because of the soul. The soul, if it becomes adulterated and polluted and we allow us, ourselves to fall for the shaitan, then the soul becomes what they call al-amara bisu, the evil inciting self. When we get a grip on the evil inciting self, most of us, if we're practicing people and we're trying to do our best, we generally have what we call a, a lawama soul which is the blame, blaming soul. So it's the one, if we feel bad when we're doing something wrong, then that means we've got a soul that is a lawama. The problem with the lawama soul is that it doesn't have istiqama, but it's better than the ammara. But sometimes we fall into the ammara, sometimes we're in the lawama. Sometimes we want to do something wrong, sometimes we, we're, it's blaming us, don't do it, don't do it. It's the internal good voice we hear inside. When we overcome that after this entire journey, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then it becomes a nafsul mutma'inna. Ya ayyuhan nafsul mutma'inna, irji'i ila rabbik. Because if you look at this verse, the only soul that is being told to go back to Allah is a nafsul mutma'inna, not the nafsul lawama or not the nafsul ammara. So we have to work for the nafsul mutma'inna. Otherwise, chances to get into paradise without having to be purified in hellfire, they're bleak. That's why it's important to get that. So that's some difference of what the heart and the soul is, but they're sometimes used interchangeably in like what we're saying. Women generally lack in opportunities when attaining suhbat from a pious sheikh, etc. Bayat is possible, but communication is limited. Can you advise on this? Th this has been the case in the past. And I think it's because of our, our culture is very restrictive. And it's very difficult for shayuk to... You know, and, and now things are a bit different and it's, it's possible nowadays to do that. And now some tariqs and some shuyukh, they're very particular, they're focused on women. There's one sheikh who, uh, mashallah, last year, he, uh, there are 80, this is in Pakistan, he has eight, uh, 
is it 60 or 80? I can't remember. Let's just say 60. 60 female doctors that became graduates of Dars e Nidhami. They're medical doctors, but they've just finished their Alima course. He gets them all involved in that because he knows that at the end of the day, if you become yourself an alim or alima, you're sorted. You know, you, you won't bother to shake too much because you've got your own knowledge. At the end of the day, you can help others as well. Right? So um, there, there's a lot of focus. Some sure you focus on women more than others, but I think it's very necessary because women are out there now. They're doing a lot of work and I think it needs to happen. When something bad happens to you, or if you're going through a bad experience, how do you know if it's a test or a punishment? Very difficult most of the time. Unless you've just done something wrong, you should always think back. What have I done wrong? Make toba. You should always make toba. Always make toba. Because toba will, uh, will take away calamities anyway and calms the anger of the Lord. But otherwise, if you've done toba and you're still having calamities, then understand that it's from Allah. At the end of the day, it doesn't make a difference. You have to have sabr anyway. And then there's a higher level which is of Rada' bil qada', which means to be satisfied with how Allah wants to keep us, whether that's musibah or not, because Allah knows. So we have to do istighfar and we make tawbah and we just hope for the best from Allah. But if we have sinned, we should definitely make istighfar anyway. So I think we should do both. Again, another question How does a female interact with a shaykh? What's... Now, the, there's obviously interact, female interaction with shaykh, you have to be very careful. Because you're getting really personal in that case. Because you're mentioning your like you know your real personal details in that case, and that's why you have to have a very suitable sheikh. Because there's has been abuse in this case. So if you ever think there's any abuse, because I've had people come to me and they say certain certain sheikh this that and the other whatever. So there is. I'm just being open about it. There are there are issues. If you ever notice that, then you need to be really careful. Obviously, don't jump to conclusions for nothing. Because shaitan will want you to, there's a balance here. Shaitan will want you to separate from somebody who's benefiting you. So they'll show you the, the wrong is right or the right is wrong. Do you understand? But if you definitely see something wrong, you need to run a mile. And as long as you're absolutely sure that there's, there's some wrong play there. But otherwise, you just keep the adab. There's nothing wrong with talking to a man, formally speaking, for educational reasons. So you just keep it adab. That's the main thing. Adab is important. And you must also realize that your main purpose is not the shaykh. Your main purpose is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They are only a means. So Allah is your ultimate goal. And that should always be kept in mind. Always should be kept in mind. That's why I have a very casual relationship. In the sense that, uh, you know, uh, my thing is not like, you must tell me everything and you must, you know... Because it's too difficult. I mean, how much do you want to know about people? How much can you hold? Subhanallah, you've got a lot of things to do. Just focus on the focus, on the right, uh, on the appropriate information, and that's it. Pious friends for females, how do you recognize them? Find them, not as easy. I mean, you learn the good traits and bad traits, and then you find those with good traits. Now, I would, I would talk about having associates. But only making close friends of those who are really going to be beneficial to you. You can have a lot of associates. Which means get along with a lot of people that are of benefit to you. You're learning from them. But, or, or you're learning with them. Or you know, you're having a good time with them. But a close friend you must choose. Who is really on the proper right path. And they can benefit you. Or you can benefit them. Because at the end of the day. Close friendship requires you to sometimes do things for them that you may not want to do. Now, if it's wrong, 
It's like then you have to sell your deen for somebody else's dunya. Subhanallah. What it is, is that if somebody wants to do something wrong, and you're a follower type, not a leadership type. Many, most people are followers. So it's following somebody. Now, they want to do something wrong, and you're following them because you have to. You don't really want to, but you have to. What you've just done is you've sold your deen, akhirah, for somebody else's dunya. You've done it for them, for their dunya. And that is highly despicable. So that's why only close friends should be those. You'd rather have no friend than having a bad friend because a jalisu su is very harmful. How does one find a balance between worldly things such as work, education, marriage and spirituality with Allah? Imam al-Ghazali seems to have a perfect spiritual devotion. Do we know anything about his family life? No, Imam Ghazali is a very difficult person to follow in this regard. He left everything for about 11 years. And... Subhanallah, he, he's got a very tough regimen. And that's why there's no, there's no Ghazali in school. There are, you can say, retentions of it, like the, uh, the, the Abdullah al-Alawi al-Haddad, the, the Alawi tariq in, in Yemen. They, they, they look up a lot to the Shaykh and they take a lot from him, but obviously it's been modified and so on. Tasawwuf tariqs, they always get modified. Like for example, a Shadiri tariq, you've heard of the Shadiris? They are, that's, not, that, that's not a new tariq, it's just... Uh, uh, the Qadri Tariqah, Shaykh Abdul Qadir Jilani, then down the, down the line, this uh, Shaykh Abul Hassan al-Shadri, he kind of revived, or he re, uh, reformulated some of the Adhkar and so on. So now it's like the Shadri Qadri Tariqah. The, the Shishtis just go all the way back to Shaykh Mu'idun Din Chishti, and then even before that, it, they go up. But it's just from the main person uh, that, that kind of formulizes. That's why then within the Chishtis you have the Tanawi, then you have the Sheikh Zakaria, uh, the, the, with slight variations in them. Then you have Hakim Akhtar Saab, who's got slight variations. And in Naqshbandis, you've got different ones as well. So th- this is, there's always a revival going on. <clears throat> How does one find a balance? That's why what I mentioned earlier, right? These six things, they're not too difficult to do. We're not asking, like, spend 10 hours doing something. We're asking for something very simple. That, you know, that's what you do. You... If you start, the, the way I would say is that it's very difficult if you're going to try to find the ideal situation. Just do your best in getting enough time. And what I found is that if you give time to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He will open your time up for you. I remember when I first moved to America, I just the time was flying. So I talked to one of my teachers here, Sufi Sab, And he said, do some dhikr. Because when you do dhikr, you're doing it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you give time to Allah, Allah will open up time for you. And we don't think like that. We think in very materialistic terms, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. But when it comes to YouTube, we can spend more time than that. So the thing is to start, and generally the mornings are the best time. Just get up early or after Fajr and do your muraqabah, do your dhikr, do your whatever, and, and, and just do the best that you can. Is there such a thing as bad luck? There are things that happen, there are bad things that happen in the world. And if you want to call that bad luck, you can. But you must never think that somebody is... I, I learned something very recently. Um, there was a convert brother who told me, well, he's, not a con, he's a convert, but he's been in Islam for five, six years. He said, initially, he did not know that you have calamities, and they are from Allah. He felt that any calamity you have in this life is uh, um, God hates you. That's why it's happening. So he's a believer in God. Anything wrong happens, God hates you. That's why it's bad. So it, it makes you, it, it really depresses you. That's what Iblis wants to do to you. It depresses you. Then he realized that in Islam, that's not the case. Calamities are from Allah. 
In fact, the more pious you are, the more calamities you'll probably get. And subhanAllah, we don't have the time today, but really a lot of the calamities in our life are because of the state of our heart, because of the darkness of our heart, because of the blackness of our heart, because of the sins. They call this evil to us. And you start clearing that out, you will find that you'll have much more solace, much more comfort, much more tranquility, and much more reliance in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is the problem. There are layers of this. That when you start having problems with your heart, you start feeling bad about people around you, then you start feeling bad about yourself, then it goes to a level where you start feeling bad about Allah, and then you lose all hope, and it gets really bad. These are just levels upon levels. Anyway, so yeah, that, that ends our... That ends our, um, our question and answers. Alhamdulillah. Let's make a short draw. Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam tabarak tiyat al jalali wal ikram. Allahumma ya hayyu ya qayyum bi rahmatika nastaghith. Allahumma ya hannanu ya mannan. La ilaha illa anta subhanaka inna kunna minal zalimin. Jazallahu anna muhammadan ma huwa ahluh. Allahumma gfir lana warhamna wa'afina wahdina warzuqna. Oh Allah, we've gathered here today with... With dirty hearts, O oh Allah, O oh Allah, with haram passions and with haram, haram desires, O oh Allah, we ask you to purify us. O oh Allah, we ask you to purify our hearts. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, we ask you to cleanse us. O oh Allah, we ask you to give us closeness to you. O oh Allah, that is something that we so much seek, but it's difficult for us. O oh Allah, we are constantly in redundant activities, in futile activities. We are constantly engaged in them. We find it passionate to be in futile activities and to sit on the musalla and to do your dhikr. Oh Allah, we find that so difficult. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask you to purify our hearts and draw us close to you. Oh Allah, make your obedience beloved to our hearts. Oh Allah, make your obedience beloved to our hearts so that we want to do it and we enjoy doing it. Oh Allah, give us the halawa of iman. Give us the sweetness of your faith. Oh Allah, give us the sweetness of your faith. Oh Allah, that will only help us to be greater worshippers of you and to be more obedient to you and have greater servitude for you. Oh Allah, we ask you for your mercy. Oh Allah, your mercy, your rivers of your mercy are constantly flowing. Oh Allah, just a drop will do. Oh Allah, just a drop will do. Oh Allah, we ask you to give us even a drop. Oh Allah, you say in the Quran, Antumul Fuqara. Nahnu aghniya wa antumul fuqara. You're saying you you say in the Quran that we we are we are the we are the enriched ones and you are the poor ones. So today we come to you seeking you. Oh Allah, you also say in the Quran, Inna sadaqatu lil fuqara. Verily, charity is given to the faqirs. Oh Allah, today we ask you, we come to you, we ask you for charity, charity in the form of your love. Oh Allah, charity in the form of istighfar and tawbah, charity in the form of repentance, charity in the form of purity of our hearts. Oh Allah, charity in the form of purity of our hearts. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we see, we see that Yusuf alayhi salam, he forgave his brothers. Oh Allah, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he forgave the people of Makkah. Oh Allah, we see that the Prophet ﷺ for 10 years had Anas in his service. And Anas says that never once did he tell me off. Oh Allah, if a human can do this, if your Prophet can do this, then we know your mercy is 90 times greater than any mercy that's in this world. So we ask you, we invoke some of this mercy from you, that you have mercy on us and you make us change. Oh Allah, we're not here today by accident. We're here because you brought us here. Oh Allah, we're not here by accident today. 
Oh Allah, we're here because you brought us here. You gave us the tawfiq. Oh Allah, make this a source of purification. Make this a source of knowledge and understanding and insight into the way our heart and our desires work. And above all, give us, give us control over them. Oh Allah, give us control over them. Oh Allah, we've seen in this world that when there's a soiled child who's wet and who's messed up their nappy and they're all dirty and nobody wants to pick that child up, the mother will come and she will pick that child up despite all the dirt and despite all the soiling and she will take and wash him. She will take and wash that child and make him smell good and pure again. Oh Allah, this is our state and there's nobody to pick us up. Oh Allah, this is our state and there's nobody to pick us up. Oh Allah, this is our state. We have sinned for many years. We've done the wrong for many years. We've looked at the wrong things. We've listened to the wrong things. We've said the wrong things. Oh Allah, oh Allah, if we were to analyze our heart and to become open to others, how bad would it be? But there's nobody to purify it except you. Oh Allah, we ask you. Because we can only ask you. There's no other purifier. There's no other purifier, oh Allah, it's only you that can do this. You have more mercy as your men, Prophet has mentioned, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that 99 parts of the mercy you've retained for yourself. What kind of mercy must that be? We ask you to give it to us. Oh Allah, whether we like it or not, draw us by our forelocks and enter us into Jannah and put us on the right way. Oh Allah, because you are our Lord and we have no other Lord to ask. Even the worst of us when they make sajda, they make sajda in front of you and nobody else. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask you, we ask you to just turn your gaze of mercy on us for once so that we can gain this, oh Allah, and we can gain closest to you, oh Allah. Your messenger sallallahu alayhi wa taught us a dua, oh Allah, that we ask for your love, oh Ya Allah, we ask for your love and the love of those who love you. Oh Allah, we ask for your love and we ask that your dhikr and your remembrance emanates from every part of our body and we find it easy to deal with the pitfalls of this life and the challenges of this world and we be given success in all the permissible things that we desire and we be, we be given barakah in, in, our, in our spouses and in our children, in our families and remove, oh Allah, remove all of the difficulties from us. Oh Allah, remove all of the difficulties from us. Oh Allah, all those who worked hard, the brothers and sisters who worked hard to make this program and organize this program, oh Allah, grant them great success and ajr. Oh Allah, grant them great great reward for what they have done and all those who've attended. Oh Allah, don't let us don't, don't let us return from here without without being forgiven and without being purified and without being more illuminated and, and, and uh, without feeling closer to you. Oh Allah, that's your gift. And finally, we ask you that you send your abundant blessings on Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam until, until eternity. Oh Allah, send your blessings on him until eternity. Oh Allah, grant us the ability to have from his hawd and his, 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 his pond on the day of judgment. And oh Allah, to be in his company in Jannatul Firdaus. In Jannatul Firdaus. Oh Allah, make the best of our days the day that we stand in front of you. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wa salamun ala al-mursaleen. Wa